Welcome to Grace Family Church. We are so glad you decided to check out our podcast. Our prayer is that this teaching from Pastor Tommy will encourage your faith and lead you towards the greatness God has planned for you. Thanks again for listening. We hope you enjoy this message. And amen. You can be seated. Thank you so much, worship team. Amen. Well, that's a refreshing moment before in the middle of the week, isn't it? Amen. Well, listen, I want to jump right into the message we have tonight. Um, We're teaching on, by the way, I wasn't here last week, but uh, man, thank you guys that did come out. Uh, Worship was great from what I understand, and uh, uh, we'll do another one of those soon. But um, uh, I want to jump into the message I I was teaching prior to being away last week. Um, We're doing a series, and I, I don't know how long we'll go on this. Uh, I just felt like the Lord, just like on Sunday mornings, he's leading me to teach on love until he tells me to stop. Um, I really felt like that he wanted to use these Wednesday nights initially to talk about healing and uh, so that we could build our faith on the fact that it is the will of God for us to be physically healed um, and and so that we can settle it in our hearts and and, uh, not have any shadow of a doubt about it. And so um, Isaiah chapter 53 verses 4 and 5 is the text that we're using. And so let's read that and then we'll pray. And then let's just believe God for what he has for us tonight. It says, surely he hath borne our grief, speaking of Jesus, and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And then notice this phrase, and with his stripes... We are healed. Let's pray before we jump in. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for this group of people who've come out tonight and for those that will listen to this online at some point in the future. I pray that your anointing will rest upon it, that you'll help me say the things that uh, just make it clear to us that you love us so much and, and you made a way for us to not have to struggle with sickness, to not have to live under the curse of it and not have to deal with it our lives, but, but you've given us a promise that we can expect and believe you to live free from it. And so I thank you for just making it clear to us and plain to us tonight just by another truth, another nugget that just settles it in our hearts forever uh, that you love us just that much. And so I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, you know, the above verse, I say this every time we read this verse, it's a foundational text, so you hopefully by the time we read it over many weeks, you'll know this verse by heart, but it talks about a lot of different things that, that Jesus provided for us when he went to the cross for us. Uh, this is really a redemptive, it's really is our redemption in a nutshell in these really two verses, uh, but at the end of that verse, we see that it says, with his stripes, we are healed. So one of the blessings that come from what Jesus did for us on the cross was to provide not only the opportunity to live in divine health, uh, but also the opportunity to be free from sickness so that when sickness tries to attach itself to our body or physical weakness or infirmity, we can believe and trust God for us to be set free from that and to live free from healing. And so so what we're doing in this series is is we're really just establishing, uh, not from opinion, uh, and not from just a, you know, a philosophical argument or a logical argument, but what we're doing is we're looking at verses of Scripture in the Bible that tell us that it's the will of God for us to be healed and themes that we see in the Bible that tell us it's the will of God to be healed so that we can settle forever. Because, you know, there's a lot of people that, were like, that may believe that, well, it's God's will sometimes to heal you, but sometimes he's got a different plan. Uh, but, but if we look at Scripture, and I think by the time we get to the end of all of this teaching, it'll be clear to you that it's never the will of God for someone to be sick. 
It's always his will to provide healing for them. You say, well, how come people die and all that? Well, lots of questions to answer, and we could go down that path, and we will. And I will tell you that if you have questions about this subject, write them down and give them to me. At the end of this set of teachings, I, want to have a, I just want to do a service where I just addressed all your questions. So if you've got questions, or maybe there's a verse of scripture you read during your devotional time during the week that causes you to go, wait a minute, that looks like the opposite of what we're learning Write it down. Let's take a look at it and see if we can get some answers for you. But uh, what we're doing right now is we're looking at truth. So we've really talked about three specific truths that make it clear for us that it's the will of God for us to be physically healed. The first one is this. Uh, We said we know it's the will of God for us to be healed because the Bible says that God created us in his image. And if we go back in Genesis, we see that God created man in the image of God. And so what we did is we went back and said if we're created to be in his image, then what is his image? Does it include sickness? Does it include weakness? Does it include infirmity? And we saw that Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and God, none of them are the image of sickness. And so we were created to be in his image and likeness. And and then not only that, Jesus died on a cross to return us to his image and likeness. And so we know it's the will of God for us to be healed because God created us to be that way. Secondly, we said we know it's the will of God for us to be healed because he gave us authority over sickness. He told us as believers, he said, go preach the gospel to everybody and those that believe will lay hands on, in my name, they'll lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. Over in James, it tells us that the prayer of faith will save the sick. So he gave us as a church, as believers, the the commission to go lay hands on the sick and and expect that laying on and that prayer and that use of the name of Jesus to overcome sickness. And he told us in James that we could pray that prayer of faith. And so we know it's the will of God for us to be healed because he told us to pray And go believe God for it. That'd be sort of a twisted sort of, you know, uh, uh, sort of, uh, you know, schizophrenic God to say, go pray for people to be healed. But, you know, I really don't want them to be healed. Right. That makes no sense to. And and, and according to scripture. So we see that um, that that because he's given us authority over sickness and told us to go take authority over sickness, we know it's the will of God for us to be healed. And then the last time we were together, we said we know it's the will of God for us to be healed because there's no sickness in heaven. If you study the scriptures, you see that that heaven is full of health and vitality. There's a tree there that provides healing for the nations. And what he told us, Jesus told us, and when he taught us to pray, he said, Pray, thy will on earth be done as it is in heaven. And so what we see is, is that the scripture teaches us that it's the will of God for us to experience what's in heaven on earth He told us to pray and ask for it. And once again, it'd be sort of a a strange God to say, go pray for it, but I really don't want you to have it, right? And so so we know that. And so today what I want to talk to you about, or tonight what I want to talk to you about is simply this. We know it's the will of God for us to be healed because better means better. Better means better. Hebrews chapter 8 and verse 6, it says, But now hath Jesus obtained a more excellent ministry, by how much also he is the mediator, or he's the, you know, the one that administrates, a better covenant. Everybody say better covenant. A better covenant, which is established upon better promises. And so notice, Jesus made a way for us to have a better covenant. Well, if you think about that for a minute, for there to be a better covenant, there would have to be a covenant that it's better than, Correct. So at least, you know, so what the scripture sort of shows us is that there are two covenants spoke, at least two covenants spoken of in the Bible. As a matter of fact, we're going to talk about three covenants tonight, right? But there are two covenants that this verse alludes to, one that is a better covenant 
and one that was not better, all right? It was the one that was better than. And so, and so we want to talk about those tonight. So let's talk about those three covenants. First of all, in Jeremiah chapter 31 and verse 31 through 33, we see uh, Jeremiah speaking by the Spirit of God, <coughs> making reference to two of these three covenants. It says in verse 31, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel. So at this time when this was spoken, this new covenant had not been established yet. He was foretelling of it. He said, there will be a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Now, according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day, not, not according, sorry, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. But this shall be a covenant that, will make, that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord, and I will put my laws in their inward parts and write in their hearts and will be their God and they shall be my people. And so notice there he speaks of a new covenant he's going to make, not like the old covenant he had already made. And it tells us when he made this old covenant, in verse 32, notice again it says, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. And so this old covenant that he's speaking of here was a covenant that was made when God brought the children of Israel out of Egypt. You know, if you've ever watched the old Cecil B. DeMille Ten Commandments, right? When was that covenant made? Well, it was made when Moses climbed Mount Sinai and the hand of God wrote the Ten Commandments and spoke all of those commands and ordinances to Moses. That's a covenant he made with Moses. And so when we see in Scripture the term the Old Covenant, or sometimes you may even hear, hear it referred to in the, in the Scriptures as the First Covenant, that is the covenant that God made between Moses and he made between uh, uh, the children of Israel and himself. So what is a covenant, right? You may be here like, you know, that's a religious word. What's a covenant? A covenant means this. It's a formal, solemn, and binding agreement. That's what a covenant is. If you look at Strong's Concordance, that's one of the definitions of it. Strong's Concordance is a concordance that talks about, you know, in terms of biblical terms. And so it says it's a usually a formal, solemn covenant. It's also a written agreement or promise usually under seal between two or more parties, especially for the performance of some action. And so what we see is this, is that the way God deals with man, this is important for you to know beyond what we're talking about tonight, the way that God deals with mankind is through spiritual and legal covenants. Uh, he's a very, if you look at the way God does things, he's a very much a legal and a just God. And so the, one of the ways he deals with us is by establishing covenants, an agreement between the party that he's making the covenant with that says, you know, if we come together, this is the agreement I have with you. And each one of these covenants we're going to talk about tonight are agreements that are different than the other one. And so what we see in this first covenant was uh, that the, the covenant that he made uh, with, with uh, Moses, although it's called the old covenant and also it's often called the first covenant, it's actually not the first covenant. The first covenant that God made with man was a covenant he made with Abraham over in Genesis chapter 17. So three covenants. I'll lay them out for you in advance and then I'll define them for you. There was a covenant God made between him and Abraham, right? That's covenant number one. That was the first covenant God made. Second covenant was this old covenant made between Moses, the children of Israel, and God. And then this new covenant is a covenant that Jesus, as we've already read, came and established for us. And we'll get to that one in a moment. But let's take a look, first of all, at the covenant that God made with Abraham. Because it's important to understand this is a first agreement God made with man. 
because there's some reasons why that second covenant had to be made. And it's going to lead us to be able to see that at the end of the day, we have a better covenant that includes healing, because we're talking about healing tonight, right? So Genesis chapter 17 and verse 1 says, And when Abram was 90 years old and nine, so when he was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am the Almighty God, walk before me and be thou perfect. And I will make, notice what he says, And I will make a covenant between you and me and thee, I will make a covenant between me and thee, and will multiply thee exceedingly. I will establish, skip down to verse 7, he goes on to say, I will establish my covenant, notice this phrase, as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants after you for the generations to come to be your God and the God of your descendants after you. The whole land of Canaan where you are now, where you are now an alien, I will give as an everlasting possession to you and your descendants after you, and I will be their God. Now, just a little side note, you see what's going on in political realm today in Israel, right, getting bombed and all of that? A lot of that has to do with this covenant. <laughs> has very much to do with this covenant that God promised Abraham that that land was theirs, and the devil don't like it, and he's always trying to get it back. And so that's why, we, that's just a little side note of what you see going on there. It's often not political, it's spiritual. Uh, and I will tell you that from what I can see, it's setting us up for the return of the Lord. It really is. And so we're getting closer and closer to that. But, you know, um, so that being said, God made a covenant with Abraham. But the thing I want you to notice about this covenant is he calls it an everlasting covenant between me and you. And so what that tells me is this, the agreement that God made with Abraham is eternal, it's still in existence and applies to us today, right? But there was a problem with Abraham's covenant, right? If you were here a couple weeks ago, we talked about the fact that, um, you know, when Adam sinned, death passed upon all men for all of sin. So the problem with Abraham's covenant was this. It was a great covenant, and, and the reason it applies today is because it was a covenant not of works, it wasn't a covenant that you had to live up to certain standards, because we're going to see that was Moses' covenant. It was a covenant of faith. The scripture tells us that Abraham believed God and that believing executed that covenant and called him, caused him to be called righteous before God. And so Abraham's covenant was a covenant of faith, but the problem with his covenant was this. Even though he believed God and that faith imputed to him righteousness and gave him all the blessings and things God said he would do, the one thing it didn't change was this. Abraham was still a sinful-natured man. And that covenant that God made with him could not be changed without, without something happening in Abraham, happening in mankind to recognize his need for his very nature to be changed. And so this first covenant with Abraham was a covenant that said, I'm going to bless you. You're going to be doing great if you just believe me and trust me. And so it says Abraham believed God, right? But it, the one thing it didn't do is it didn't change his nature. He was still not a child of God. He may have been a follower of God. He may have been a servant of God, but Abraham was not a child of God, although God imputed to him righteousness, right? How many of you realize what, so what, what does that mean, he imputed to him righteousness? And I may be getting ahead of myself, but that's okay, I'll just get through this. Um, when you're imputed something, you're given something that you're really not, right? Abraham was a sinful-natured man that God said, I'm going to count you as righteous even though you're not because you believe me. Now, that's a great thing, Right? It opens the door for all the blessings, but it still didn't change his nature. He still wasn't a born-again child of God, right? So there's a difference there. He was a sinful man that believed God, and God said, because you believe me, I'm going to make you righteous, but you're sinful still, right? 
And so there was something that needed to happen for that covenant to be complete, an everlasting covenant that God never did away with. And all the blessings of it he never did away with. Something needed to happen. Abraham needed to be changed. And so God established this second covenant with the children of Israel. You know, and, and so what we see there is that God, what we read earlier was God made a covenant between, uh, uh, between Moses and the children of Israel when they exited Egypt. And that covenant was a covenant that, that, that was based on something completely different than faith. It was a covenant that was based on keeping a bunch of rules and keeping a bunch of laws and a bunch of regulations. And so we see this in Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 1. Jumping around a little bit, Kyle, so bear with me, all right? Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 1. It says, then verily the first covenant, so this first covenant, not Abraham's covenant, right? Because remember what I told you, in the scriptures a lot of times it'll talk about the first covenant that is really the second covenant. Does it make sense? But he calls it the first covenant because it's a covenant that was established with Israel. And it says, it shall come to pass, if thou shalt heart, I'm sorry, Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 1 says, then verily the first covenant also had ordinances of divine service. And a worldly sanctuary. So what he's saying there is, is this covenant that I made between Israel was a covenant of works. It was a covenant of if you do what I tell you to do, then I will bless you. If you don't do what I, what I tell you to do, then you're going to be cursed. And we see this in Deuteronomy chapter 28 and verse 1. Here's one of the, one of, we see one example of it. It says, and it shall come to pass... If thou shalt diligently hearken unto the voice of the Lord your God. So there's the qualifier, right? He says, if you'll diligently hearken. He didn't say if you believe me, right? Because how many of you may believe today, but sometimes you don't diligently hearken, right? He says, if you, if you diligently hearken unto the voice of the Lord your God to observe to do all his commandments, which I command thee this day, that the Lord thy God will, right? Dot, dot, dot. I put dot, dot, dot. Go back and read the rest of Deuteronomy 28, and what you'll see is a bunch of things God will do for you if you obey him. And he also tells them, here's a bunch of things that will happen to you if you don't, right? A bunch of judgment and a bunch of curses that could come upon you. And so this old covenant came with the promise of uh, 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 to, uh, lots of promises as long as man obeyed the covenant. But there was a problem with that covenant. What's that? That wasn't a situation where the problem with that covenant was man was sinful. It was the problem, that fa the problem was that man couldn't keep the covenant, right? How many of you all have tried before, even before you were a believer or even after a believer, tried to be perfect and you haven't been perfect? If you're sitting somebody next to somebody married to you that you're close to, they'll, they'll attest for you, I'm sure, Right? And so, and so the problem with that covenant was is you couldn't keep it in perfection. So what that meant was that all the promises that God gave to the children of Israel through the, prom, through the covenant that Moses had, uh, they, they were contingent upon being perfect, which means that they inconsistently could ever have them, right? Matter of fact, not only that, but it, said that they don't, it went on to tell us that you could even have curses. And so this old covenant was, was put in place. But why did God give them a flawed covenant? The reason was is because he needed to perfect Abraham's covenant. He needed them to recognize that, you know what, no matter how much I try, I can't measure up. He needed them to recognize that unless something changes on the inside of me, then I cannot receive in the fullness all the things that God wants to do with me. You know, unfortunately, most people today live under that old covenant in their mind. Most people today believe that God is going to bless you, God's going to heal you, God's going to help you because you don't smoke, drink, and chew and run around with those that do. 
And I don't just mean that, right? It's going to happen because you, you, you're perfect. You, you live up to it. And when we don't live up, up to it, we let that old covenant fall upon us to make us think, well, I don't qualify for that promise anymore. But what God, what, what God wanted to do in that old covenant was just to make us aware that we are, were sinful. We couldn't keep that perfect thing. So we needed a change. We needed something different. And we see that in Galatians chapter 3 and verse 9. Why did God give us a covenant that would show us our failures and we could never live up to? It almost seems harsh, but he needed us to see something. Galatians chapter 3 and verse 19 says, Why then, why then the law was, what was its purpose? It was added after the promise to Abraham. So the law was added after the promise to Abraham, right? So it was made, made after that covenant. It was made after the promise to Abraham to reveal to people their guilt. Because of a transgression, that is to make people conscious of the sinfulness of sin. And the law was ordained through angels and delivered by Israel by the hand of a mediator, Moses, the mediator between God and Israel, to be in effect until the seed, speaking of Jesus, would come to whom the, purpose had been, to whom the promise had been made. So what does it say? It says the reason the law was given to show man his awareness of sin. And one translation said it was given to be our schoolmaster. It was given to teach us something about ourselves, that I cannot be perfect. You know, people need to know that today. No matter how much you go online and support all these charitable, we all want to feel good, right, and sing kumbaya around all these worldly things. I don't care how perfect and how good you try to be, you can never measure up to God's standard of holiness. And God needed people to see that, so he put this covenant in place for us to see it. And, 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 but but the, the thing about it is, is even though it was a flawed covenant based on you having to measure up, there were promises, there were good things in that covenant. And one of those good things was healing. Healing is something that was a part of the old covenant that God gave to Moses and the children of Israel. Ezekiel chapter 23 and verse 25 says this, under this old covenant, and you shall serve the Lord your God, and he shall bless thy bread and thy water. And, and notice what he says, and I will take sickness away from the midst of thee. Notice what he said, if you'll serve me, I'll take sickness from you. Old covenant, you could expect to be healed if you served him, right? What that also tells me, old covenant, if you didn't serve him, you couldn't always expect to be healed. But even though we say that, there was a promise of healing in that old covenant. Can everybody clearly see that? We see it again in Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 14 and 15. It says, Thou shalt be blessed above all people. There shall not be male or female barren among you or among your cattle. And the Lord will notice this, take away from thee all sickness. All sickness, right? So it didn't matter what it was. Sniffles, headache, cold, cancer, diabetes, all sickness. It says the Lord will take away from thee all sickness and will put none of these evil diseases of Egypt which thou knowest not upon thee. So not only that, this covenant said, if you'll obey me, then not only will I heal you, but I also won't judge you. Right? And so we find that this old covenant produced or provided healing. But as we said, this covenant was flawed because it was based on man perfectly living up to it. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1 says, For the law, speaking of the old covenant, having a shadow of the good things to come. So it had a shadow of the good things to come. What was the shadow of the good things? All the blessings that were in it, right? Healing, blessing, prosperity, uh, things going well for you. 
It says, for this law, having a shadow of the good things to come, and not the very image of the things, can never, notice this, with the same sacrifices which they offered year by year, make those who approach perfect. So see, that, that covenant was flawed because why? It, it didn't make you perfect. It just gave you a standard of perfection to live up to. And so God established a new covenant that would not only uh, allow us to uh, be made perfect, but we're going to find out in just a moment, it also would allow us to freely receive the promises of God even when we're not perfect. Now that's really good news tonight. How many of you are perfect? How many of you are not perfect? Keep your hand up, look around you. All of y'all qualify then to freely receive what God has promised. And so notice here in Hebrews chapter 8 and verse 8, the new covenant. But God found fault with the people and said, how did he find fault with the people? They were sinful. They didn't measure up. God fell and fought with the people and said, The time is coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant. This is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. Notice this. Here's the change. I will put my laws in their minds and write them on their hearts. And I will, notice this all of a sudden, I will be their God and they will be my people. At that point, you're not just a servant of God. Now you're his people. You're a child of God. Goes on to say, for I will forgive their wickedness. And notice this, this is such good news. And I will remember their sins no more. I don't care what you've done tonight. I don't care who you've wronged. I don't care how many mistakes you've made. If you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior based on this new covenant you have, God doesn't see it. He doesn't see it. You say, well, I see it. Well, certainly you do. You may, because we have, we're human and we have memories, right? Devil, he's an accuser of the brother and he's going to remind you of it. But when we go to God and say, hey, remember 20 years when I did that, but I asked you to forgive me, he's going to say, what are you talking about? I don't remember it. Right? God doesn't see your sin. How did he do this? Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 9 tells us how. For under the old system, gifts and sacrifice were offered, but they failed to cleanse the hearts of the people who brought them. So in the old system, you know, there was not only a bunch of do's and don'ts, but there were a bunch of rituals they had to do yearly. You had to go sacrifice a lamb or a turtle dove or bring a wheat offering or grain offering. You had to do something to get your sins covered, right? But it never took care of the nature in man. And what this is under the old system, gifts and sacrifices were offered, but they failed to cleanse the heart of the people who brought them, right? They still had a sinful nature. Verse 10 says, for the old system dealt only with certain rituals, what foods to eat and drink, rules for washing themselves, and rules about this and that. So the old covenant required men to keep rules and rituals and promises that were given. They were only cleansed temporarily. But verse, 9 through, verse 10 through 12 of Hebrews chapter 9 says this, the people had to keep these rules to tide them over until Christ came with God's new and better way, Right? So one thing to recognize is God's new and better way isn't you measuring up to some perfection or holiness. See, a lot of times we come to church and we think it's to clean up our act, right? But God, brought, God invites us to church so he can clean up our act with one fatal swoop of accepting what Jesus did for you, right? When I say fatal, because it kills the old way. 
goes on to say God's new and better way. Verse 11, he came, Jesus came as a high priest of this better system that we now have. He went into the greater perfect tabernacle in heaven, not made by men nor part of this world. So what that says is, is when Jesus died on the cross and he rose again, I've taught this before if you've been here, but if you haven't, I'll just lay it out for you. If you remember correctly, when Jesus rose from the dead, Mary Magdalene went to the grave after he was rose and she went to hug him and Jesus said, don't touch me yet. For I have not ascended to my father and your father. I think it's interesting because he called her, God, her father as well. She must have believed, right? But he said, don't touch me yet. Why? Because if she touched him, she would have made him unclean, right? <clears throat> but he says, I haven't gone to my father. So she goes to, he goes to heaven. And what it says here is this. In heaven, he actually did what the priests here did on earth. The priests on earth would take animal sacrifices and sacrifice to forgive men and tide men over. Never ridded them of sin, would just cover it. But Jesus took his heaven and went into the, uh, the, 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 the uh, temple in heaven, brought his blood in and applied it to the mercy seat before God. And that's what it says. He actually went in and provided his blood for us. The people, it says, verse 10 again, the people had to keep these laws and rules to tide them over. He came as a high priest of a better system that we now have. He went into that greater perfect tabernacle in heaven, not made by men nor part of this world. And notice this. And once... For all. Now that's really important to recognize this. 2,000 years ago, before you were ever a glimmer in your mama and daddy's eye, he went in and applied his blood for your sin. It says, once for all, he, he took the blood that went to, into that inner room, the Holy of Holies, and sprinkled it on the mercy seat. But it was not the blood of bulls and goats and calves. No, he took his own blood, perfect, holy, pure, sinless blood. And with it, by himself, made sure of our eternal salvation. Now, I like that word eternal salvation because how many of you realize that same word eternal covenant was used to describe Abraham's covenant? See, what Jesus did was he not only made us right, but he perfected Abraham's covenant of faith. Because now, those that would believe on him, not only would they believe in righteousness be imputed to them, but righteousness, they would be made righteous. So that now, Abraham was in the spot where he was a servant of God, but now because we accept Jesus, we're not servants, we're children of God. By very nature, God looks at us, and when he sees us by nature, he sees us as holy. No matter where you are in your journey of sanctification, you know what I mean by sanctification, right? Because sanctification is a process. It's a process of every day you striving to be more and more like Jesus. And we fall short of that sometimes. Hopefully we're growing in that and it's, a, it's an upward, you know, uh, climb for us, right? But, you know, no matter where you are in your process of sanctification, whether you're at the beginning of it, middle of it, end of it. And I would say if you're at the end of it, you're probably just at the beginning of it because you're just thinking more highly of yourself than y'all think. <laughs> We're all just getting started. But no matter where you are on that journey, God sees you as perfect. And that, that should make you feel really good tonight. And it should give you the confidence to walk into heaven and recognize that, that I don't have to live under an old covenant that says I have to be perfect to receive the blessings that God has promised. Right? And one of those blessings we talked about was what? Healing. We saw it very clearly. And so 2 Corinthians chapter 19 and verse um, 
uh, I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 19 says, For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, was preached among you by this, by me, Silvanus, and Timothy. His, and notice what it says. This, this, his, he was not preached, it was not yes and no, but in him was yes. Notice this, for all the promises. Ever say all the promises. So when you think about all the promises, right, that's talking about all the promises. All the promises in the Old Covenant, all the promises in the Abrahamic Covenant, all the promises in the New Covenant, all the promises of God in him are yes and amen. That word amen means so be it. To the glory of God through us. So what he tells us is this new covenant we have has made a way for every promise of God to always be a yes to us when we come asking for it. That's good news. That means when you come asking for healing because we have a new and better covenant, you're not asking based on your merit. You're not asking because you measured up. You're asking because I have a new covenant that tells me all the promises of the old covenant are mine, not because I'm perfect, but because he was perfect. Amen? I don't know you, but I'm getting the chilies. I'm getting the feels. Hebrews chapter, nine, chapter 8 and verse 6 says, But now hath Jesus, notice this, obtained a more excellent ministry by how much also, notice this, he is the, better, he is the mediator of a better covenant, which is established upon better promises, which contains far more wonderful promises. So the covenant that we have is a better one. It's better because it's not based on us being perfect. And it's better because by nature we've been made the children of God. And another reason it's better is because it contains all the blessings of the old covenant and then some. Could you think about it for a minute? You know, uh, you know imagine if you went out and you know, you, well, take me for example, all right? I'm driving a 2003 uh, Chevy Avalanche with over 300,000 miles on it. Now, I'll tell you, I'm not complaining about that because I like my truck, and it was given to me. Uh, it was a blessing years ago when it was given to me, and I like driving it. I really do. I mean, um, but, that, and, and, and I've looked at times, and there's not anything I would want other than that right now. <laughs> so I just don't buy another one. Um, and, and so that being said, you know, I've got this old truck, but could you imagine if I, I, I went to Chevy and I said, look, I want your newest and best model, Right? And they said, yeah, we got something better than what you got there. And they brought me out a, a, a vehicle that had maybe a souped-up engine, but when I opened the door, the inside was a, a milk crate that I had to sit on to drive it. No matter how good the engine was, would that be a better model to you? See, for something to be really better, it has to contain all that the old has and then some. And one of the reasons our covenant of healing is, our covenant today is better is because it includes not only the fact that we're a child of God, which is enough to shout about in and of itself, right? Not only the fact that we get to go to heaven, not based on our own perfection, but his perfection. Not only do we get to partake of the promises that the new covenant offers, but we also get to partake of all the promises, including that which was in the old. And so we see that when we're talking about healing today, one of the reasons we know that healing is the will of God for us is because Jesus came to give us a new and better covenant. The old covenant contained healing. If that contained healing, then the new and better covenant certainly contains that and promises that for us as well. Amen? Amen. And so we know healing is the will of God to, for us today because better really does mean better, right? You know, sometimes people, you know, just try to make it too complicated. Well, for some mysterious way, maybe God didn't want. 
just keep coming. Keep coming every Wednesday night, and you'll keep seeing instance after instance. And hopefully, if there's scriptures that cause you to go, I don't know about that, send me the scriptures. You know, matter of fact, I found one just this morning in my Bible study. I was reading my Bible study. It was in my daily reading. I read it. I was like, well, that looks completely opposite what I'm teaching on Wednesday nights. <laughs> but how many realize one scripture can't contradict the full scope of what God says? So I put it before God and said, give me some answers on this. And I got some answers. If you want to talk about it later, I'll talk about it later. I'm not going to have time to go into it tonight. But if you have scriptures that cause you to cope, wait a minute, send them to me. Because I, I can tell you, if you spend enough time, he says, those that seek me will find me, right? And, and that principle applies not only to him. If you seek something, you're going to find it. I don't know why I'm going down this path, but I'm going to go down it. If you're looking to disprove something, you'll find enough human reasoning and reasons you could disprove it, right? I, I, for the life of me, I can't understand why somebody would want to disprove that God wants to heal you unless they're just sadomasochistic, right? I mean, it just makes no sense. When the scripture clearly teaches that it's the will of God, and we're going to keep talking about it until you just walk out of here, we're going to take it and drive it in the ground, break it off, so you can't pull it back up, and you'll be like, I don't care what anybody says, there's too many scriptures that tell me that it's the will of God for me to be healed, right? There's too many scriptures that tell me it ain't some in his mysterious plan for me to have this, right? We're going to see that very clearly. But tonight, one of those reasons is, is because better means better, Right? If the old covenant contained healing, then the new and better covenant should as well. Isaiah chapter 53 and verse 5, we'll close with this. It says, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. Healing is a part of God's redemptive plan for us. Amen. Bow your heads with me. Father, thank you so much for your word. I've done my best to try to clearly communicate some truth and teach a little bit more than we do can and do on, on, on Sunday mornings. And I just pray that, you know, we do understand that when you first approached Abraham, you gave him a, a great covenant, but there, it was flawed because he wasn't made your child. You imputed it to him, but it wasn't, his nature wasn't changed. So when you, you and your divine wisdom devised a second covenant with the nation of Israel through Moses, that exposed and showed men his need for his nature to be changed, not just to believe God, but something needed to change in who he was. And when that awareness comes, Father, you make us aware of this great new covenant that was executed by what Jesus did for us, that he died on a cross and shed his blood for our sins so that we could be forgiven and made brand new and right with you, regardless of where we are in our journey of trying to be more like Jesus. You call us and see us as right, which qualifies us for all of your promises. So we thank you tonight, Father, that healing has been provided for us, that all the blessings, including healing of that old covenant, is ours because of what Jesus did for us. We're thankful for that. Just in your own heart right now, just take a moment to stop and pause before we exit these doors and thank him that healing is yours. Father, thank you for that truth. You said you sent your word and healed them. Thank you for that truth and us believing it, causing faith to rise and just supernatural manifestations of healing taking place in our lives and bodies from this. Thank you for driving out sickness, driving out doubt that would rob us of the faith to receive. I thank you for that, Father, in Jesus' name.
Every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around. I don't know everybody here, and those of you I do know, I don't know all your history. But if you've never made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, you've never accepted him as your personal Lord and Savior, and you'd like to do that tonight for the first time, I never want to close a service without offering that opportunity to do that. If that happens to be you, would you raise your hand and say, yeah, Pastor, I want to accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I want to know heaven's my home. I want to be changed on the inside. I want to be a child of God. Anyone at all? Okay. Amen. Well, Lord, thank you so much that everybody here is your child. Thank you, Father God, that you love them, you care about them. We want to be sensitive to your spirit and not leave if there's something more you want to do, but we don't want to belabor the point if you're, you've accomplished your purpose tonight. If there's anybody here that has a need right now you'd like to be prayed for, anyone at all, would you just lift a hand and say, I, don't, I mean, you don't have to think it up. It's just forefront of your mind. You came with a need, and you want, it, you want somebody to agree with you. Anyone at all has that in their heart? Anyone? Okay. Stand to your feet with me. Let me pray a prayer blessing over you. We'll get you dismissed. Father, thank you for each person here. Thank you that you love them, you care about them. And we do thank you for this wonderful promise of healing. Uh, we never put that before the wonderful thing that, uh, of the fact that Jesus died on the cross for us to be your child, first of all. We just are so grateful for that. But oh, we thank you, Father, that that comes with the promise of so many things, including our physical health. So I thank you for divine health for your people tonight. Thank you, you give your angels charge over them. And Psalm 91 is true, that no pestilence or sickness shall come nigh their dwelling. And when it tries to attach itself to them, that faith will rise up in their heart and they'll take authority over that sickness and trust you. And that faith in your promise will execute your grace going to work in our life to bring about healings and cures. I give you praise and thanks for that, Father. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Well, God bless you all. Thank you for coming out tonight. Have a great rest of your evening, and we'll see you hopefully on Sunday. Thanks for listening to our Grace Family Church podcast. We really hope you enjoyed this message. If this ministry has blessed you in any way, we would love for you to get connected. Just go to gfcva.info to learn more about who we are, how to give to this ministry, or how you can get involved. Thanks again for listening, and we hope to see you soon.